Big Fluff. Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Well, Joe, long time no see, buddy. We've been saying that a lot. I know. Well, you know, here's the thing. (laughs) I, I bought a house and I've been spending a lot of time fixing it up and a lot of time with plumbers trying to get everything you know, done properly. Right. And, but uh, we hung out, what was it, last week or the week before for burnt mm-hmm. supper? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I didn't even see you that much, actually. Yeah, I was running around doing the... We, we were hanging out with everybody. Yeah, we don't get yeah. a chance to see. But you know what? It's also been very cold. It has. The polar vortex came down to Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the devil came down to Georgia, but, but you know... Um, but colder. But cold. You yeah. Know? Like the, the very bottom level of hell. Isn't it supposed to be the coldest? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, So because it's like furthest from the sun or something? I haven't read Dante in a long time. Yeah, I, I have never read Dante. What? Yeah, just the cliff notes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but anyway, it's been so cold, I haven't even wanted to leave the freaking house. Yeah. So, but tonight... I ventured out mm-hmm. uh, amongst the rain and the snow, uh, and uh, I came out to see you so yeah. we could record an episode. Yes. Now, Joe, I just want to mention this episode we're recording in February, which happens to be Black History Month. That's right. Uh, I did not think about the fact that we're doing an episode about black. The, it's not the same thing. It's not. It's not. But then I realized I was like, boy, that's a little weird. Uh, I don't know whether it was just on the brain, but uh, it's not about black people. Mm -hmm. This episode is all about the color black. The blackest black. The blackest black. It's like a metal song. Right. In my black room with my black pen and my black paper. Black number one. What are we talking about? Okay, well, we are talking about the blackest color that exists or the blackest material that exists, uh, which is known as Vanta Black. But before we get into it, I have a few uh, – just a just a question for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. This is not a captain's log. This is not a captain's log. No, okay. we're going into it. I've got no logs to give. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, is black a color? Uh, from my art days, it is the absence of color. Is that art or science? Uh, both. Well, uh, it's been a subject of deba- debate for many years. I mean, it depends on the way that you look at it. So it depends on how you define color. It's something that that's generated by light, then it would be a color. Okay. Black is a color that absorbs light, meaning a black object absorbs all the colors around it, and no colors are reflected back to the eye. So the reasoning is, you, you could argue that black is not a color, or you could say it is the color, it is all the colors. Yeah, because if you take all of your primaries and all of your secondary colors on your palette and mix them all together, you get black. Right, so it's like how you define it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're saying black is all the colors, but none of the colors reflected back to the eye, with white being all the colors being reflected back. Hmm. So is, is it a color? Is it not a color? Is it the absence of color? I don't know. But I mean, if you mix the primary colors, red, yellow, and blue, the results come very close to black. Right. You know, I mean, if you're mixing paints, though, most of the time it's kind of like a brown. Yeah. But a very dark brown, almost black. Could be all the colors, could be none of the colors, but none of them are reflected back to the eye. And obviously it doesn't generate a whole lot of light. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're talking the color that we're going to talk about, Vanta Black, mm-hmm. it reflects almost no light back. Right. And uh, it's pretty amazing. So in Latin, the word for black is ater, A-T-E-R. It's associated with cruelty and evil, or like the same root as atrocious mm-hmm. or atrocity. Right. And it's derived from its Latin stem. It's no surprise that in medieval times, they would actually, paintings, typically your your devils would be black. Yeah. It's has to do with like that atrocity, atrocious, you know, super metal, ye old metal. Right. Color can have lots of different symbols or or, connotations or emotions attached to it. Mm -hmm. Some of them are uh, power, elegance, sophistication, status, Mm -hmm. formality. You also have on the bad side, evil, death, grieving, mourning, and the occult. Sometimes also mystery, bleakness, Heaviness, depression, rebellion, and fear. 
Yeah, it's, it's like it goes back to our uh, biles conversation. Uh-huh. Black bile was one of the worst. Right, exactly. So black was actually one of the very, very first colors used in art. Prehistoric artists used black charcoal and iron, and they mixed these minerals together to create these pigments, and they used it to paint on cave walls. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, the cave paintings that you see, like with handprints and stuff like that, right. most of the time they were made out of black because it was, you know, you would mix water with charcoal or something yeah. and create, uh, you know, like a like a pigment. The steer from the Lecoq caves in France is mm-hmm. that that's like the one of the oldest yes. paintings that has ever been found. Mm-hmm. It was painted more than 1700 years ago and it was only discovered in 1940 by a 18-year-old French boy who was exploring the nearby countryside. Mon uh, dieu. <laughs> the 2000 paleolithic drawings can be found in the cave represent humans, abstract symbols and animals and they're mm-hmm. all painted in black. Right. Ancient Greeks, they also painted in black. The Greeks developed a highly sophisticated technique for doing black silhouettes on clay and pottery. Oh. So uh, eventually they wound up inverting the technique to paint red figures on black backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And the red the red and the black figures were on usually on vases. And these were the very first pieces of art that were signed by the, the painter. Oh. Yeah, nice. or the first, you know, ones that we could find. Yeah. So they, they were able to take this red and put the black figure over it. So it, it was like a two-tone kind of a thing. Right. So, yeah, some of the very first art that was uh, that was actually signed. Nice. So, Joe, also, we were just talking a little bit about Trappist beers earlier mm-hmm. uh, before we started off, recording. Uh, yeah, off recording. Off air. <laughs> and uh, so uh, there are certain monks that wear black robes. That's true. So I was actually looking a little bit up about this. So you have three basic types of uh, of um, of monks or mm. Christian monks. Yes. Uh, those are the Benedictine, the Cistercian, and the Trappist monks. Right. So the Cistercian were like the very first kind. Right. And Trappist are off branch of that. They left that to become Trappist. Trappist. Right. right. So they they all basically follow like the rules of of Saint Benedict. Yes. It's basically just like most religions. You know, they all think that. One way or the other, it's, you know, a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. they, they follow the rules in a different way. Right. They interpret them differently. So the Benedictine monks, they specifically wore black robes as a sign of humanity and penance. In the 12th century, the black monks, as they became to be called, were challenged by the Cistercian monks who, uh, who wore white. And they were also an off-branch of the of the Cistercians. Mm-hmm. So the Benedictines were accused, accused the Cistercians of being prideful by demonstrated by their white robes, and the Cistercians came came back at them saying that the black was the color of death, the devil, and and sin, hmm. and uh, and their own symbolized purity and innocence. Ah. So, so you have lots of different religions, uh, including like the Judaism. Amish. Judaism and they mm-hmm. and they wear black as a as like a, basically a, a sign of like humility, right? As a humbleness, mm-hmm. and you know instead of like a you know flashy white robe, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So yeah, they kind of had a like a battle about that. Hmm. Joe, I remember we've we discussed this before. I'm not sure if we've done it on air, but sometimes we just don't talk on air. That's that's true. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, we've discussed the Gutenberg Bible before. Steve Gutenberg? This, yeah. I believe he wrote it. <laughs> right. During yes. the time of Cocoon. <laughs> yes. I thought it was uh, during his police academy years. It could, it could have been. I'm not really sure. Okay. But uh, but either way, it was the very first printed book in the world, mm. is the Gutenberg Bible. Uh, it features black type on white paper. Right. So why do we have black type on white paper? Uh, it's the boldest yeah because it has the most co- amount of contrast between the two colors and red so, red pigment tends to fade over time right yeah i've colors. got some tattoos that have that issue <laughs> oh me too <laughs> so uh yeah the two colors were the easiest to read mass production of printed books was only possible with the invention of a new kind of printer's ink made by making soot turpentine and walnut oil hmm. and creating them to make a type of black huh. nice so so what's really weird is uh do what was like the earliest computer you had? Do you? Oh man, probably an old Acer. But I did acquire a an old Apple Macintosh, the uh-huh. the big giant desk one, right? From a military surplus place. Yeah, and you you throw the switch and it would sound like a uh, I don't know like a jet engine. 
Yeah, but it was this <laughs> massive, heavy, ugly tan thing. And yeah, that's probably the oldest one I've had. What were the what was the screen? Oh, it was like green on green. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the very first computers. Now I had one. I don't remember what it is. It was probably like an IBM or so. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. But it was the keyboard was actually attached to the computer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Much like today's laptops are or right. whatever. But it was this I mean, you couldn't walk around with a like a laptop. <laughs> you'd right. you'd break your back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the very first types of printing on computers was actually green type on a black background. Right. In fact, the first one that I had, I remember, I remember like learning some computer languages on it. Yeah, some you basic know, like stuff. You would like turn right, turn left, you know, and you would <laughs> yeah. like pop the things in and you'd play, uh, you could play like these Dungeons and Dragons type games and mm-hmm, stuff on them. Mm-hmm. Oh man, they were awesome. Cannot get ye flask, pick up ye flask. <laughs> Why can't I pick up ye flask? <laughs> But I also had this one where you could type this stuff in and it had a little dancing alien. Okay. And depending on what you typed in, you would like, you would move the left arm oh, and you'd move the right yeah, arm yeah, yeah. and it would do like this little dance. But it was this green alien because it was a green screen. And I mm-hmm. believe it was like all made out of typeface. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, but eventually when computer processing became better, they changed it to a white screen with black. Okay. So, and it apparently improved the accuracy of reading by 26%. When they moved from black to black and white from the from the green. Hmm. In fact, I remember like trying to watch that screen and play those kind of games like the, you know, like the old the text based games back then. You would take your eyes off the computer screen to like go, (laughs) you know, go get yourself some cookies and milk or something. Uh And everything would look funky. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would just be burned into the back of your retinas. You're watching it on an old tube monitor yeah and it was and like, like green on black yeah and, and it was so bright and also like the green like had did this weird thing it was like staring at like a what are the the little snappy things you know what i mean you take it to a party little snappy things yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the chem lights or whatever oh yes. uh, yeah the, the glow sticks glow sticks yeah it's like like holding a glow stick straight up to your eyeballs yeah. you know what i mean it was it, it was just so colorful all right joe i know that back in the day when we uh, when we used to be in bands, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you would wear dresses. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you my know, favorite we was play. a black silk dress. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the little black dress. Okay. So which your butt looked great in? A you know, strapless, backless little black dress. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the birth of the little black dress has been ascribed to Coco Chanel. Hmm. Uh, in 1927, she created a symbols, a series of simple black suits and dresses that were photographed in American Vogue. Have you, like, on Facebook and, like, Twitter and stuff like that, do you ever see, like, there's a this one thing that I follow called, like, Hint of Fashion or something. Okay. Do you, and they, they'll, they'll put out, like, the newest, like, fashion trends and stuff. Have you ever watched, like, any of the runway stuff? Um, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But it's neat to see... Some of those things. Right. Uh, but those aren't the things that end up in a store. Right. It doesn't what? matter what kind of store. They don't end up in a store. It's an idea that they can work off of to, to make To actually create something? Yeah. Is that is that the idea? I mean, I'm looking yeah. at some of this stuff and I'm like, that dude has one pant leg. Like, <laughs> yeah. One, one long pant leg, uh-huh. one short pant leg, and like his nipple is hanging out on this side. What is up with that? It's just... I, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's just he never... has some tinsel hanging off of this arm, <laughs> right? And, and a face mask. And like, <laughs> he's like, like what's walking going on? around like like he's you know the Phantom of the Opera. I don't. I have. I, I and and they're all like pastel, uh-huh, bright uh-huh. yellow and purple. Like it's it's any sort of artistic expression. That's all it is. So do they come out with other things? I mean, because obviously when Coco Chanel made the little black dress in the 1920s. Right. You know what I mean? Like was that seemed like things that were practical that people would actually wear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think some of it's practical. No. I, <laughs> none of the stuff that I've seen. Well, but. it's it's the thing. It's like you can have the, the in the art world, in the fashion world. You know, the designers, they have everyday marketable, functional stuff. Right. And, but then when they do these fashion runway fashion show things, it is the most out there, Audacious. bizarre. Yeah, because it, they're really trying to, I guess. Bodacious. Push, Sorry. <laughs> push their, their, you know, their artistic abilities. Right. To see what they can do. 
some of it's over the top or, or it's outrageous or whatever. But I think part of that world is doing that. It is to be as outrageous as you can on the runway, but still be marketable somehow. <laughs> so they're creating stuff that's like based off of that to, to, yeah, to actually like, sell like, like in stores? Maybe it's a certain cut of a jacket that right. eventually ends up in a store. Yeah. Not, not the giant shoulder pads or the spikes or the colors or maybe that stuff does end up in a store. Yeah. You know, it's like concept cars. Okay. When you see right, concept right. That, cars see, now that in, makes sense to me. In a, in a showroom, right. you know, in a, in a car show, like that's not going to be, you're not going to see that in the street. Yeah, you you're can't not going to be able to that. buy that. Yeah. It's one of a kind concept car with all these ridiculous things. Right, like the Dale. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but they take, they take bits and pieces of that. They create it's something marketable, mechanical something, and they make that marketable. Right. Okay. Well, uh, back to the 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 thing at hand. Back in black. Back to the back in black. There we go. There you go. So uh, it was Audrey Hepburn, her minimalist black dress that she wore in Breakfast at Tiffany's that made the style wild, wildly popular, mm-hmm. easy to wear, and always elegant. The little black dress has become a wardrobe staple. A lot of the time, wearing your your best black suit, you know, that kind of thing. Most people, they held their most valuable clothing for going to church, going to funerals, for those kind of special occasions, right? right? Which is why typically black is the most prominent color for that. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why that is, is because black has that kind of that that power, that aura. Oh, yeah. You know, so everything looks good in black. So it's kind of one explanation why black attire is an appropriate color for parties and festivals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, like wearing black to your most, you know, special occasions, it was such a hard dye to really like kind of crack, yeah. you know, that that you wouldn't have your most expensive clothes. You wouldn't be wearing that every single day. Right. You know, especially like if you're washing it. I mean, how many black T-shirts do you and I have that are now that gray. are so gray and faded <laughs> and gross? Right. Hello, Curioso fans. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Chris and Joe didn't put all of their hard work into researching the topics for this show? Hi, I'm John Bennett. And I'm Patrick Stork. And we are the hosts of Expert of Nothing. A live game show where we bring six contestants up to to talk about a pre-selected topic. And also to flash a topic that they have no idea what it will be. A completely unscripted debate. By experts making it up right on the spot. It's sort of like a bar argument meets TED Talks. More facts than a Texas textbook. You can get our podcast every two weeks on the Peak Slot Network. You can get our live shows every month at the wind-up space. Alternative facts? We got them. We invented them. Okay, Chris. Let's get into the blackest black, or the Vanta black. Vanta black, right. So that... that is a trademark name. It is. It's probably so, one of the best known products that does this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it absorbs all the light. Well, Joe, when I asked you about, when I said, came up with this idea for mm-hmm. the episode, what was your impression? Did you know what Vanta Black was? Did yes. you? Yeah, I knew what it was. Okay. Um, I didn't, like, we're going to get into the other stuff later. I didn't know there was a whole bunch of stuff. There was more history to it than than you thought. Recent history. Right. I just know the the scientific technical side of it. Right. And that it was used for some art stuff. Right. That's about the the level of knowledge I had. Yeah. But I found out Vanta Black was developed by Surrey Nanosystems in the UK. Mhm. It's one of the darkest substances known to man. Right. So it's a it's a super black coating. That holds the world's record for the darkest man-made substance. It absorbs up to 99.96% of visible light. Joe, that's almost 100%. (laughs) Almost, (laughs) but not quite. The name actually comes from an acronym, Vertically Aligned Carbon Nanotube Array, Vanta. And then the black is the pigment. It just kind of reminds me, when we were talking about cave paintings, right, Mm -hmm. they took soot and they mixed it into, you know, some kind of liquid to mm-hmm. be able to paint it on the walls. Right. Soot is carbon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is also carbon. So it's just a, a, a technology that is This is grown. <laughs> this yeah. isn't this isn't like a your your standard acrylic or water-based paint or right. oil-based paint. This is grown. Yeah. So weird, and I don't quite get that. Uh, nanotubes. How how it's grown. 
oh, do they use little tiny robots to make it? <laughs> pretty close. Yeah? Pretty close. So it, it's a grown structure of nanotubes on a substrate, which is done by a method called chemical vapor deposition. Okay. I'm not really sure of the full technical how-to make nanotubes, right. but there there are ideas and designs for a nanotube structure for an elevator going to the moon right because they're 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 supposed to be very insanely strong yeah like a hundred times stronger than steel kind of thing right now i don't know if these these carbon nanotubes are that strong in fact i've heard that they're not right uh you have to grow they're they're different purpose right exactly i like to think of it as like they're just making really tiny black snakes (laughs) <laughs> pretty close. You know what I mean? Like you know how you Think just, of a coil. You light the black snake and it shoots up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's well, kind of like what they're doing. Yeah. I, th- I kind of think of them as a coil, like a really tiny, like a minuscule, tiny coil. Right. So when light hits this l- little forest of nanotubes, it doesn't just like bounce off like normal pigment would. Mm-hmm. Even, even a matte black paint will have some light that will bounce off or reflect. Right. So you can still see something, you know, see light through a matte black paint. Uh-huh. This doesn't do that. The The light actually goes into, basically goes into the forest yeah. of the nanotubes and bounces around for a good amount of time until it's pretty much just absorbed by the nanotubes and, and disperses within them. Right. So the way that I saw that they described it was, imagine if you had a forest, Mm -hmm. but instead of your trees being 60 feet tall or something, they were like a thousand feet tall. Right. So that, you know, any light that comes down between your your canopy just gets trapped Mm -hmm. inside. And And it's just, it's so dark because it's... They're so close together and so small mm-hmm. that it's just it just absorbs all the light bouncing yeah, around. Yeah, it just bounces inside. around and then finally dissipates. So technically, the Vanta black is not actually a color. Right. It's it's not like a color like you would put. You know, it doesn't. It's not pigment. Well, the substrate, mm-hmm. I, I believe, that is where the the black pigment. Right. Is is that real thin substrate that they grow the nanotubes on. On top of, yeah. But because it absorbs so much light through the nanotubes to that substrate area, that's why you're not getting any pigment whatsoever. Right. So what's really weird, the little hollow carbon tubes, each the width of a single atom. Yeah. So they're around 20 nanometers. That's 3,500 times smaller than a human hair. That's insane. What kind of hair are we talking about here? (laughs) Right. You know what Uh, I mean? We're talking like armpit hairs? So that's like 14 to 50 microns. Now, one nanometer equals 0.001 micron. One centimeter square contains around about a billion nanotubes. That's insane. (laughs) And that's... It's itty bitty teeny tiny. Joe, that's a lot of black snakes. Yeah, that's true. Once the the light is all dissipated through the nanotubes, there is some outgassing and particle fallout from the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the levels in the Vanta Black are really, really low. Uh, and unlike some similar products, it apparently also has greater resistance to mechanical vibration and thermal stability. Which is pretty much why it was designed in the first place. So you're saying Vanta Black eats photons for, <laughs> for breakfast? It eats photons for breakfast. <laughs> sure. So its uses, what it was designed for, was preventing stray light from entering things like telescopes. Right. So if you want to coat the insides of your telescope, mm-hmm. it you don't have any... Yeah. Weird light bouncing around. Any seams, any areas where there's a structure that's fitted to another structure within the lenses. Right. Like you don't want any excess light coming in. The only light you want coming in is straight on down through the tube. Right. Also, to improve infrared cameras, both on terra firma and up in space. Three, possibly helping with heat absorption of solar panels and solar power technology. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, all the military applications therein. Right. 
sights, lenses, binoculars. Camouflage. Uh, thermal camouflaging. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So there are others that have done very similar products to Vantablack. Mm-hmm. So there is Nanolab in Massachusetts who partnered with an artist, Jason Chase, to produce a similar nanotube-based black paint called Singularity Black. Really? Not as quippy as Fanta Black. Yeah, it doesn't sound like uh, some sort of evil cartoon villain. <laughs> right. They also make a an oil-based version really? of that called Gravity Black. Ooh. Yeah, it's a bit more a bit more weighty. Yeah. Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> There is Super Black, which I think was a 70s movie. I'm fairly sure. Yeah, that came out right after Shaft. It didn't get much play. <laughs> right. Which was one of Vanta Black's main competitors back in 2009 when it was first being developed by the National Physical Laboratory in the UK. There's also Actar Advanced Coatings. They produce coatings for pretty much all space and aeronautical technologies. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Vantablack's startup stuff. They make a product called Metal Velvet, Ooh. <laughs> Vacuum Black, Litho Black. Pretty much you can't get a hold of them unless you are in NASA or you are a scientist of some caliber. Right. Like you cannot get this stuff. Right. You I mean, you probably could, but it's going to cost you a buttload of money. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. All of their their stuff is for, like I said, space exploration, uh, telescopes, those kinds of things. Right, yeah. A lot of the people that I see that want to get a hold of this kind of stuff are like uh, museums. Yeah. You know, like, like especially like your your science museums, stuff mm-hmm. like that, so that they can just, you know, have it there. It's more of a, yeah, it's an interactive thing almost. Right, yeah. Because, yeah. it, it, I mean, it looks like when you look at Vanta Black, it looks like a void. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's from the stuff I was reading, it, people keep equating it to the center of a black hole. Right. Yeah. Like no, it, it doesn't, it seems like, it looks like black velvet or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Okay. Yeah. With, with <laughs> the the Wiley Coyote thing, right? Yeah. Where he paints yeah. the, the hole in the wall mm-hmm. and then like the, the roadrunner runs through it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Vanta Black looks yeah. like. You, It looks like you're making, if you make a painting, it looks like you have created a hole in the wall. Right. In time and space itself. Right. It's eerie. It's mm-hmm. absolutely eerie. As you alluded to before, you really can't buy it. You right. know, it's like they, you can't get like a bucket of Vanta Black right now. They can't sell it. And the reason why is that it takes several different machines to make it, a few layers of different substrates, and usually extreme heat mm-hmm. from start to finish. Uh, applying it takes about two days, and it, so they can't, like, sell it to you. Right. So, like, they can't sell you, uh, you know, a pound of Vanta Black, you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Uh, also, ounce for ounce, Vanta Black is a lot more expensive than both diamond and gold. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually yeah, nanotubes costs more. are expensive. So apparently, also Joe, it, like how I said, it kind of looks like soft velvet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you get really up close to it and you shine like a super bright light on it, mm-hmm. you know that's what it looks like. But if you a little bit further away in the shadows, I mean, it, it just it looks like a freaking hole. Yeah. Apparently, if you touch it, yep. it doesn't feel like warm velvet, though, because those nanotubes, even though they're so long, in the micro-universe, they're long. But, yeah. you know, in ours, with our touch, it just feels like you're touching a piece of metal or the desk or whatever. You can't mm-hmm. tell, you know, it, even though it looks like kind of soft like that. Yeah, you know? and it, it's – you really can't touch Vanta Black without right. destroying the work that you just paid a bajillion dollars for because most of the things that I've read is that it destroys that coating. Right. You're basically smushing it. You're yeah. completely destroying the coating. Right. It's susceptible to damage by touch. Yeah. Everything I've read is like, it's great if it's behind glass or a protective barrier. <laughs> right. <laughs> so exactly. don't touch it. So also, what, that would be great for like the inside of a, you know, a microscope or, or a, a telescope, telescope yeah. or something like that. Because Hubble. you don't, right, you don't ever clean the inside of it or touch it. You, right. You know, you keep it vacuum sealed and boom, you're, you're done. Mm-hmm. Also, weird thing, it has almost no mass. 
Yeah. Even though it's very robust against like shock or vibration, you mm-hmm. could like put it, coat the inside of a tube and bang on it and nothing's going to happen. But if you, once you press on it is what, how you really mess up those nanotubes. Right. But it has no mass at all. It takes up, you know, most of it is air. Yeah. I'm telling you, you know, think of springs. Right. Exactly. Think of a bunch of springs sitting next to each other. Yeah, so it, it could endure like a bumpy ride, say, like, you know, being shot into space, <laughs> yep. you know what I mean, with your space monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as the space monkey didn't touch it with his banana, he'd be fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and the last one I found is Black 2.0, and now with the new and improved Black 3.0, uh, it was developed by an artist, Stuart Semple. Right. He also designed the pinkest pink and the greenest green. It can absorb 98 to 99% of visible light. Right. So it really depends on how it's applied, how thick the layers are, stuff like that. Right. Well, the big difference with Black 2.0 and now Black 3.0, it isn't a nanotube technology. It's not. It, it is an acrylic polymer paint yeah it's so it's it's pigment just like you have before but the difference is is that he's actually created a like a like a base for it right it's a it's a base pigment called black magic right and and that base the I think it was a primer right the primer or the the the, the fluid that holds that pigment mm-hmm. it can actually hold more pigment than other types yes and that's what they've created yeah. so yeah he's been making paint for something like 20 years yeah and I don't know if you've watched any of the videos with him you know he nope. I, I, I he just has like a British accent or whatever and you know a stupid haircut but I really <laughs> like him. He's always really excited about everything that he's selling you. you <laughs> right, know? Like right. I've watched a whole bunch of YouTube videos. So just a couple things. I just want to back up a little bit. So artists are clamoring to get their hands on Vanta Black and make, oh, yeah. And yeah. make like crazy mind-boggling artwork with it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that looks I'm, like a hole. Yeah, that <laughs> like, looks I like a hole. I don't get it. Yeah, Wile Coyote, right? Just <laughs> would love to. Like why would you paint a unicorn with Vanta Black? It just looks like a hole. Well, I think that's the point. <laughs> it does even... look like okay. anything. Even the, the the people at Nanotech Systems that made it, they had like a bust. Oh, God, who was the guy? It was like a bust of a, a British uh, like news guy. And he he had like a mustache, mm-hmm. you know, like a, you know, a good old handlebar mustache. Yeah. So they had one. They had two bronze Bus. fa- busts of him. Mm-hmm. They had one and then they painted the other one with Vanta Black. Right. Or they, I guess they grew it on. <laughs> right. It's like a chia. Right. Like and a chia it, I mean, the guy's got crags all over his face and a big, huge mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at the one and it's it, it's very much a bronze bust. The mm. other one looks like a hole of his silhouette. A hole in the universe of some guy's head. Right. And as you turn it and spin it, you can actually see the points of his mustache coming out and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's it's absolutely just amazing. But you know? I don't get... It's like, more like a wonder than I anything. know, but why... I just don't understand the whole artistic point of what... Yeah, it looks cool, but why would they be clamoring to get Vanta Black mm-hmm. just to make something look like it doesn't exist? Well, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's... It's that's, like the stupid big fucking giant rectangle paintings with an off-center red fucking dot... <laughs> And that's that's not art. Right. It's not well, art. That's someone messed up. Well, here's the thing. Uh, in 2016, <laughs> an Indian-born British artist named Anish Kapoor, he sparked a whole bunch of controversy because he got the exclusive he rights did, yes. to make things with Vanta Black. Right. Now, uh, that that is what caused Stuart Simple. 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 That's what S-E. caused him to make the Black 2.0. Right. Because he was pissed off that this one guy has use. Soul light. Soul exclusive use of this technology. Well, hold on, hold on. The applications, I mean, it's science, qualified technicians, laboratories. Like, there's a bunch of people who can use Vanta Black. A bunch. Right. But outside of those arenas, only licensed people can use the method, the products, all that stuff for Vanta Black. Right. This guy. What's his name? Kapoor? Anish Kapoor. Kapoor. I don't know how or why. I didn't read into that stuff. But he got sole licensing rights. I guess he's the only one who yeah. who was able to do that. Well, he, was, he was the, the only, first one. He's the only artist. The, okay. the licensing rights that he has are that it has to be a piece of artwork that is solely for art's sake, like looking at it. Okay. For like ex- exhibition? Ex- 
Exhibition. That's a bummer, right, Joe? Exhibition. Exhibition. Yes. So, I, because there is actually another artist who did not do, he didn't do a piece of art, although I, I think that you could call it art. He was actually a an architect. Okay. And in 2018, in February of 2018, he actually got the rights and was able to do a, uh, to do basically a, a, a house. An architectural model? So thanks to the magic of Vanta Black, the Olympics featured uh, the world's blackest building. Yeah, it happened uh, February 2018. And it was the first time Vanta Black was used in architecture. Hmm. So even though Anish Kapoor has the rights to do art mm-hmm. with it, other people can use it for architecture. Okay. So they, they used it and they painted the outside of this building and then they took... Uh, these like fiber tubes, uh, the, like the, the ones that shine light. Okay. Fill it, you know, just like your your Fios or whatever, and they shine light through it. Mm-hmm. And they had those shining lights, so it looked like a, you know, the outside of this building looked like it was, you know, the night sky. Oh. Okay. But it was the blackest black that you could get, you oh, know, nice. with these lights yeah. coming through. I was I was actually looking at a, like a, an article in Vice. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how you know maybe it's good that Anish Kapoor. It is the only person that has rights to this. Okay. And the reason why is it's potentially dangerous. Vanta black nanotubes can actually come loose and irritate the eyes and respiratory system. The original version could only be used on substances with a melting point of 1,022 degrees Fahrenheit, implying that it would melt generally anything else less heat resistant. Wow. The substance has a specific target organ toxicity of single exposure. Hmm. It can cause non-lethal but reversible damage to uh, specific organs after contact. All these warnings are already attached to the substance and it hasn't even been fully tested. Yeah. So feasibly, they think that it's non-cancerous, but you know, this is a brand new substance. I mean, you have to be really uh, careful around it. Yeah, but I mean, any, any particulates <laughs> that are underneath your skin or inhaled are right. bad for you. I, I don't mean, care what it is. You dirt. Know, it's just dirt. It's still bad for your lungs yeah. to be in there. So it just makes me think of like asbestos, Joe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like could this it's be... It's fine inert, but as soon as you have yeah, asbestos it could, dust... It could be in your lungs, you know? It yeah. could actually give, you know... So if he is actually going to be like the forerunner of this and try to make sure that... Let him you know, be the guinea pig? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean, apparently... he's probably not doing the, the whole lab structure with the masks and the ventilators and the donning the suits. Mm -hmm. I mean, he might be. I don't know. Well, I think that he probably is. You know, I think he's probably given the rundown about how it's used. Yeah, because you have to to grow this stuff in certain environment, in a certain laboratory environment. And then you said there are multiple sub-layers of substrate structures that you have to put on before this stuff will adhere to an object. Right. So like we said, Anish Kapoor might be kind of a jerk. I don't know. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't either. I, I don't really know him. But uh, he did do something pretty freaking jerky. What's that? <laughs> okay. So Stuart Simple was pretty pissed off that, you know, Anish Kapoor got the rights to Vanta Black to make art with it. He was okay. like, why can't everyone have it? Why can't you make a commercial version? Right. So that's why he decided to make Black 2.0. Okay. Okay. But before he made Black 2.0, he decided that he was going to try and make the pinkest pink that you could pink, right? (laughs) So he made this pigment that was so just brightly, beautifully pink. I mean, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's Mm -hmm. just – but I mean, it it looks like, I don't know, like – A thousand pink flamingos all had a baby. I mean, it's insane. So Mm -hmm. now, he did do a disclaimer on his website. I don't know if you've heard about this. No. So the disclaimer on his website was – that you could buy this paint. Anyone could buy it, and it was for like three dollars and three point ninety nine pounds. What is it? Is it shillings? I don't know. Almost four pounds. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm. I which look. which is what six dollars US, seven dollars yeah. US, right? Something like that. Yeah. So I mean, it's not very expensive for this right. pigment. However, he made a disclaimer that you had to sign in order to get it, saying that everyone could buy this except for Anish Kapoor. Uh, wait, <laughs> like, this is the pink stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> so you could buy it, but you could not be uh, friends with Anish Kapoor. You could, you could not, not be, be an associated with Anish Kapoor. <laughs> you cannot be Anish Kapoor, and you cannot give this to Anish Kapoor. Wow. 
but you can buy it otherwise, anyone else. And he, and his point was, is that, you know, this new technology that's coming out, everyone should be able to have it. Everyone right. should be able to use it. Right. Even if know? it costs you an arm and a leg. Right. You should yeah. still have the right to use it. Exactly. So, gotcha. so uh, Anish Kapoor responded by apparently getting a hold of the pinkest pink that you can pink. And uh, <laughs> he dipped his finger in the pigment, which it's a dry pigment. Okay. It, you know, it, it, it's, you know, just totally dry. You would mix it with a, you know, a base. A base, yeah. Right. Dipped his middle finger in it and took a picture of it <laughs> on his, uh, like, Instagram or something like that and, and put it out. And was like, he was like, this is what I think about your your, your pink. Wow. You know? So someone broke the rules and gave some to the dude. And apparently gave it to him or wow. he somehow got, or he bought it himself or whatever. So he was like, screw you. I, I don't care. Right, you know? right. So, of course, there's just been, like... Like kind of this backlash ever since, and anything on Stuart Simple's site, he's created all kinds of stuff now. He's created uh, the greenest green, the green screen. He created like a like a glitter that's totally biodegradable. Yeah, but it's like the glitteriest glitter, right? Yeah, the glitteriest glitter. Yeah. It's all like off the back of this blackest black thing. You know? Right, right. Uh, he also created like this stuff called like I, don't, I can't remember what it is. It like it's fade or something like that that turns. It's a color. Do you remember having like a color changing shirts? Oh like, yeah, like What's in that? the body 90s. Glove. Yeah, body, body glove. glove. And there was like another one too. I can't remember the name of it off the mm-hmm. top of my head. But it was like a color changing shirt. This is actually a color changing uh, type of uh, paint. Okay. So you know he of course painted another unicorn head because that's of what he course. likes to do, and it changes from like this super purple to this you know to the pink. Mm-hmm. So as you like you change the temperature, it'll change. And he's done that with like few different things, you know. He's made all different kinds of stuff. So, so he uh, made like a really glowy thing, and all of these thermal paints, paint. Yeah, thermal that's, paint. That's cool. And all of these things, Anish Kapoor is not allowed to have, like <laughs> on his website specifically, which I wow. think is just hilariously <laughs> funny. Like yeah. he's like, you can buy it as long as you don't give it to Anish Kapoor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, real quick, let me do this little rundown: Vanta Black versus Black 2.0. Okay. Now, mind you, this might be a little skewed because this is courtesy of Semple. Okay, right. But based on research I've done, it seems pretty accurate. Now, this is Black 2.0. Right. Like coming out this month in February. He got a Kickstarter. He's for, got a Kickstarter for, for Black 3.0. Right. Where I believe it's like even blacker. <laughs> it's even blacker. Black 2.0 is like something like 96% of light. Yes. And Black 3.0 is supposed to be like 98 to 99%. Right, correct. So it's supposed to be even blacker and matter. Right. Yes. Mattest. The mattiest mat I've <laughs> ever matted. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we have, we are, do you remember Matt Mattingly? Yeah. Like our buddy yeah. Matt Mattingly. Double mat. Double mats. So Vanta Black, like I, like I said before, 99.96% of light absorption. Right. Where Black 2.0, not nearly as black, like you said, 96 3.0 will be around 98 to 99%. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn black. Applications for Vanta Black, science, qualified technicians, space stuff, and specific licensees are allowed to use it. A thousand degrees. Uh, <laughs> black 2.0, anyone can use this application. Bonding agents, specifically proprietary agent that is a bonding agent for Vanta Black. So right. you can only get it. From the people who make Vanta Black, right? It's a proprietary thing. Black 2.0. There's no need to have a specific bonding agent. You can get the Black Magic stuff, which will help it be blacker, right? But you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Coverage. This is what I found really interesting. The coverage for Vanta Black is up to one meter. Okay. And then you have to start the process again for the next meter, and then the next meter, and the next meter. So you can only do a meter you can only square do a certain amount. at a time. Okay. Where the black 2.0, if you have enough, you can cover anything. Uh, availability. Users outside of the UK need a government license to use Vanta Black. Yeah, that's crazy. Black 2.0, available everywhere worldwide. The cost. Depending on the item and the size in the application, it can cost you... A lot of money. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, we already said it's, uh, you know, like its weight, ounce per ounce, is more expensive than gold or diamonds. Right. Exactly. Whereas the cost for Black 2.0 for a 100 milliliter bottle 
will run you 11.99 lira. That's fifteen dollars and fifty-two cents U.S. Right. Do you uh, kind of want to get this now? I kind of do. <laughs> kind of want to paint a unicorn so it looks like a hole in the wall. I I think that we should. I think that we should get some of this and and do a, like a, a like a YouTube video. Sure. Do like a companion video. Sure. Handling, like you said earlier, Vanta Black is only good behind a protective cover or behind glass. Yeah, you can't, you can't really, touch it. Yeah. You crush them nanotubes. Can't touch this. <laughs> Black 2.0, gentle handling may scratch some of the paint off. Okay. Trade, you know, fair trade. Right. You're spending 15 bucks for a bottle of ultra super duper black paint. Yeah. Yeah, don't, you know, don't take it camping with you. The odor, this is funny, the odor of Vanta Black is chemicals. Mm. Smells like chemicals. Yeah. Where the odor of Black 2.0 is black cherry. Yeah, because they, they, they put some, they just, they put some black cherry scent into it. That's great. I just found that awesome. So, all right, Joe, I, I found this out too, which I think you, that you might find interesting. One of the reasons why I think that Vanta Black might have picked Anish Kapoor as the person that they wanted to represent them and use it in art and have like an exclusive license with him. Is his soul well, black? Uh, no, no, no. He actually created this thing in 1992 called Descent into Limbo. Have you ever heard of it? No. So it's in Portugal. Like, and it's basically like this art installation in the middle of this field. It just, it looks like a weird, like, bunker in the middle of this just, like, grass field. Okay. And you, you go into the door and you're only allowed to go in with art curators. Okay. So, uh, so they take you inside and they show you around. Now, they warn you to be very careful about the giant hole that's in the middle of the floor. Okay. Because there is a giant hole that's in the middle of the floor. For real? Yeah. So now here's the thing. A lot of people, you know, you look at it and it just looks like empty blackness. Uh Okay. So a lot of people thought maybe it was just some sort of extremely black paint painted on the floor Mm -hmm. in a circle, you know, because when you look into it, it it just, you know, you can't really tell, you know, unless you get close to it, Mm -hmm. but you're not allowed to get close to it. So it looks like you're staring into the depths of space. Well, apparently now we do know that um, it is a giant hole that's eight feet deep because a man... In his sixties, fell into it. <laughs> oh no! He was uh, he was there to uh, take a look at the artwork. It's just this whole concrete bunker kind of thing with this hole in it. And uh, yeah, he got too close to the end, and uh, he fell into it. Uh, so let me let me show you some pictures okay, and yeah. see what you see what you think. So there's the outside of it. Sorry, but it looks kind of crappy there. It just looks like a like a bunker in the middle of a field. It right? It looks like an old like state park toilet. Right, something like that. Yeah. So here is the, the hole with <laughs> Anish Kapoor just, showing some people. And there's just a hole in the floor. <laughs> just a ho- big hole in the floor. It's the descent into limbo, John. Oh, my God. Apparently, that guy was doing the limbo and limboed right into it. So apparently, here are the like the artist's rendition of it. This uh-huh. is actually what it looks like from the top. And then here's from the side. It looks like it looks like a room with like a cannonball hanging it, out of the bottom of it. It's an obliette. It's an obliette. Yes. That's exactly what yeah. it is. Exactly. Freaking obliette. So apparently the man fell into the obliette. <laughs> oh, man. That is called descent into limbo. Uh, but wait, I love art. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's not for you, Joe. Apparently not. I, I hate art. <laughs> <laughs> I love art. But that it's a big white brick square building with a black painted obliette hole. Yeah. It it looks like a toilet. Right. Well, anyway, so... I don't get modern art. Sorry. If you think falling into an eight-foot black painted hole is dangerous, <laughs> Joe, I do have one other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. Of course, I wanted to mention also lead. We are... Okay. Well, you know, paintings can be dangerous. Well, yeah. And, and uh, lead paint is one of the most dangerous things. You know, a yeah. lot of the time, very much like you talk about the Mad Hatter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people also went crazy from lead poisoning, and they called it painter's madness. Apparently, they discovered uh, Caravaggio's bones. Mm -hmm. He, I genuinely, I'm so, I'm so so terrible. I have no clue who Caravaggio is. Do you know any of his paintings? Uh, Yeah, he did the uh, David with the head of Goliath. Oh, okay. Uh, I gotcha. I grew up Catholic. That's, I remember the painting. (laughs) Right, yeah, man, boy, I am so uncultured. 
<laughs> I, I seriously no. I I like art. I just mm-hmm. don't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. But man, uh, like, uh, what, what's the other thing? Classical music mm-hmm. can't stand it. <laughs> I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm so bad. But anyway, they think that lead poisoning. Uh, they actually dug up his bones and they found high levels of lead in his bones, concluding that lead poisoning contributed to his death. Mm-hmm. It's also thought that uh, lead paint pigments uh, and in wine also cause Michelangelo's gout. Mm-hmm. And uh, testimonial evidence suggests that Francisco Goya applied white lead, Naples yellow, and litharge, an extract of Saturn, all different pigments mm-hmm. that were containing primarily lead. He applied it with his fingers, contributing to probably to lead poisoning. Yeah. So, you know, it's very possible as well that uh, Napoleon died of a cancer caused by a green, uh, Mm. specifically called Scheele's green. The pigment was developed in the late 1700s by a chemist called Carl Schleen. Scheele? 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 I'm I'm bad at reading, too. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Carl Scheele. Uh S-H-E-E-L-E. It was a very popular green, and its chemical name was copper arsenitate. Oh, you wonder why? bad. Because it had arsenic Arsenic in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And copper. Yeah, so apparently when the pigment was exposed to water or humidity, it could release arsenic into the air. And the wallpaper covered Napoleon's home, including his bathroom. Apparently contained the patterns in, uh, apparently it contained Shields Green in the pattern. Oh, man. Uh, Some think that the high levels of arsenic found in Napoleon's hair is proof that the color killed him, or at the very least facilitated his fatal stomach cancer. Yeah, it was a a long-term arsenic poisoning. That's what that was, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know. So it wasn't the syphilis? I, 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 I'm just saying, I, I've, you know, just from reading these different things, you know, it's very possible a lot of paints are, can, have been dangerous throughout time. Yeah. And now we have this Vanta Black sucking in the na- nanotubes, you know, <laughs> you don't know, you don't know what can happen. Exactly. I, mean, I, I think that I'm going to stick with the uh, Black 3.0. Yeah. You know what I mean? A it nice seems acrylic. a lot safer. Yeah, nice acrylic. Right. So I mentioned to you pre this episode that there's, I mean, I've talked to you, to you about this podcast before. Uh, it's a podcast called No Sleep Podcast. Right, yeah, um, I, I listen to it. So they're, you know, it's it's a, a horror storytelling podcast. It's an audio drama. Anthology. Type. Yeah, and it's been on for like 10 years, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really good. There is an episode, episode 24 of season 11. Uh, the story is called Beyond Vanta Black, mm-hmm. and it was written by a William Delphin. I, I sent it to you. What do you think? I, I listened to it. It was really good. Yeah? Yeah. In fact, it was very eerie. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. The main voice actor mm-hmm. in, in that episode is Peter Lewis. I, he plays the best nervous crazy. Yeah. I, I really, love it. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, it actually kind of inspired me. Yeah? You know what I mean? Like, maybe I want to write, like, some episodes where... You know, it, you know, also it kind of, it kind of reminded me a little bit of a DC villain. Oh, there's a guy, not the gentleman ghost. He was like a shadow man. The shadow? Is it? No, not the shadow. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a DC villain and he, he just like was shadow. Okay. And he would, you know, he could like, he was stuck to the wall and he could oh, go and he yeah, would, yeah, yeah. he would go and he would steal stuff, you know, and then disappear again because mm-hmm. he would, you know, he would be in the shadows. So it, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that sort of thing. Yeah. It also that specific story also reminded me of uh, the color from outer space. Yeah, which you've, is you've told me that before, and I. It's a it was a it's a Lovecraft. Yeah, uh, I just I've never read that one. Yeah, it's a it's a really good one. I went through like a a, a long audio book phase where I listened to all the out of print, or not out of print, but rather. It's yeah, it's public domain. Yeah, all public of, domain. All of Lovecraft, is right? Public domain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the color out of space is really good, and I really liked it. Uh, it, it. Basically, they find this meteorite, and you know, the meteorite. They, you know, some scientists come and they poke at it and they prod at it, and they wait. There's this, and there's sort of like green little filaments, and Jordy Barrel, you look it's, head. <laughs> yeah, it's very honestly, similar. it's very similar yeah. to it. And then they and they cut into this meteorite, and inside of it is a color that no one can explain. Oh, okay. And it's a surveyor who's who's who basically, you know, and he talks about how, you know, he thinks that the color is beyond 
the spectrum of human vision, huh. you know, okay. because we know that there's colors beyond the spectrum yeah, of human yeah. vision. UV, you know, yeah. right. There's stuff that we can't see without some sort of, uh, you know, mechanical or scientific help. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it's creating like all of the cattle to die and like turn brittle and everyone starts going crazy. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Very Lovecrafty. And yes, of course, yeah. and it's, but I think it's one of his better stories. So hmm. if you ever get the chance, yeah, the color from outer space, very yeah, definitely. good. I, I don't think it's in the book that I have of his, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it also, so that episode, that no sleep podcast episode also kind of reminds me of a few scenes in the 2013 Scarlett Johansson vehicle. Oh, um, which was that? Under the skin. Oh, 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 yeah, I did see that. Do you remember the, the, there's a bunch of scenes where she's just standing in the blackest room with right. like a mirror or, and there's nothing. Yeah. And then like someone will come in or she entices someone in. I'm not going to give any spoilers for the movie because it's awesome. But she sort of entices someone to come in and they just sort of sink Right. Into the blackness. Like and they're sinking into the water or something. It's not but, even water. It's but it's not, yeah. Black. It's right. Just, yeah, it sounds, it seems like they're sinking into the water or something, but there's no water there. It's yeah. just like into the inside of whatever. Right. The spaceship or whatever is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it. And that, that podcast kind of reminds me of, or that episode kind of reminds me of scenes from that. Yeah, I would say if you get a chance, definitely listen to that episode. And watch Under the Skin. Right. Good stuff. So, Joe, um... I know we're probably almost done here, but uh-huh. uh, I went for the blackest beer that I could find. <laughs> I just grabbed a stout. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty brown. So it's funny because I, I I looked today at my local store to find the blackest black beer that I could find. Uh-huh. And I couldn't, but I did find a, a newer one that is pretty darn pink. It's, it's a it's, it's a very pink beer? Yeah, it's brewed with hibiscus and prickly pear. And it's like the pinkest pink beer I've ever seen. Besides, like, maybe Fruly. And uh, what, what's it called? It's called Guns and Rosé. Oh. <laughs> so it's a rosé ale with uh, hibiscus and prickly pear. Oscar Blues Brewing. Uh, I think they're oh, like, God, I love Oscar they're Blues. They're like North Carolina, Texas, and Colorado. They have breweries. Go ahead and try it. Okay. But it's freaking pink. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super crisp. Really yeah, nice. Really crisp. You can get the hops on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, yeah, good. But I couldn't find any, you know, the blackest of black beers, I, right. but I found a pink one, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> which is weird. Our, our buddy Tony that uh, that we've had on a few different episodes, like, mm-hmm. like the canning, canning and bottling episode and stuff mm-hmm. like that, he came over to burn supper this past January. Mm-hmm. Six years in a row, Six guys. years in a row. Six years in a row. From <laughs> one podcast, now six years of a tradition. Yeah. So he, um, he came over, and every time he comes to burn supper... Like we all contribute, it's kind of like a semi potluck sort of thing. Yeah, like, it's, it's you can a, bring a something. Friendsgiving or, kind of thing, right? You can yeah. bring something. You don't have to bring something, mm-hmm. but if you can, try to bring something Scottish, right? Right. You know, and uh, like we supply the the haggis and stuff like that, and we have mm-hmm. people over. So, uh, and you always make Scotch eggs. But mm-hmm. Tony, he always he always just goes to the liquor store, <laughs> and he's like, "What kind of beers do you have that are Scottish?" <laughs> right. And he grabs any beers that are from Scotland or mm-hmm. Scot. You know, like a Scottish style, right, you know, right. beers, and and he always brings them. There was some leftover like stout that he had. That was I was that like, a Murphy's. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Good just stout. Murphy's imported Irish stout, or uh, excuse me, Scottish stout. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely good. And uh, I just decided to bring that along because it's pretty black. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe. Well, in summation, this is a pretty metal episode. Yeah, if I say so myself. Do you see a red door and you want to paint it black? Always. <laughs> All right, Curiosos. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking about uh, the blackest black that you will ever black and the pinkest pink that you'll ever pink and the glitteriest glitter. <laughs> that ever glittered. Yeah. What a long, strange trip it's been. That's right. I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> All right. Know. We'll see you next time. To the blackness of space. <laughs> All right. Shut up. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecurioso podcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curioso podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curioso podcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real curioso, 
we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. But before we get into it, did you just rip one? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's this squeaky-ass chair. (laughs) It just, it makes me think of, uh, what's the, the, what's the thing? Start the K or something that they had to cut out of houses. Lead? No, the other stuff. Asbestos? Asbestos. Start with a K? (laughs) Sorry. It's not start with a K. Asbestos. (laughs) So it just makes me think about, like, asbestos, Joe. I mean. (laughs) It starts with a K. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead.